I want to talk to you for the next three weeks. If you have a Bible, if you want to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, we have it on the screen in a moment, but uh, I just want, if you have the Word of God in your hand, please uh, feel free to open up to 1 Peter chapter 3. I want to speak to you over the next three weeks on the basics of the Christian life. Have you ever watched any videos or anything about uh, when, when, they're, when people are saying, well, uh, you call yourself a Christian, but you do this or you do that, or, uh, you know, and they try to demean uh, Christianity by the conduct and character of the followers of Christ? Have you ever seen those? Perhaps you've even had somebody come up to you or, or say, you know, if you were a real Christian, you wouldn't be doing that. But the reality is that Christianity and our conduct are two different things. I know Christians that have poor conduct and character. I know Christians that are working on their conduct and character. I know Christians that have overcome a lot of things and and they're like Mary Poppins. They're practically perfect in every way. Uh, but it's, it's a process. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that over the next few weeks. One of the things that I really like doing is cooking. And you say, well, why do you like to cook? Are you a great chef? Absolutely not. Although I'm a legend in my own mind. But I just like cooking because it's therapy. And something that I have discovered about cooking, it doesn't matter how great the chef is. If the recipe stinks, it's not going to be any good. Are you with me? Now, I have made some creations because my wife likes to go by the recipes and she's a southern gal, so it's a pinch of this and a dash of that and she figures it all out and it always tastes amazing. And, and I always think if you can do, use a pinch, you can use a whole handful. Uh, and I have made some stuff that's absolutely horrific. Uh, I actually burnt beans once and decided to try to cover them up with Tony Sachery's and... Um, it just did not work. Because you can't make a bad recipe good. If you want to make a bad recipe good, you have to. Are you ready? This is really amazing. You have to change the ingredients. The ingredients, if you have the right recipe and it has the right ingredients, it can make any chef look fantastic. I, want, I say that to say this, that our lives, our good points and bad points, our, our bad points are not the fault of Christ, nor are they fault of Christianity, but it's the recipe that we have given him to work with. You say, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, if we say, Lord, use my life, but I have hatred in my heart, that recipe's just not going to look good. 
or if I have jealousy or animosity or name any list of a negative ingredient that fills our life that the scripture implores us to remove. You name them, and if you have them in this recipe of, of this new life, of the new birth, of being born again, of walking like Christ and looking like Christ and speaking like Christ and being like Christ. If you want to be the, the perfection of, of the master chef, if you want God to, to use your life, you have to have the right ingredients. Sometimes it's just adding the right thing. Sometimes it's taking some of the other things out and then adding the new ingredients. So to have a life transformed by the Holy Spirit, we must be willing to allow Christ to change the recipe of our life. Are you tracking with me? Everybody tracking with me? In, any, any chefs out there? Any wannabe chefs out there? Uh, I, I, we went over to Tom and Annie's house once and they made some curry that was just like unbelievable. I went home to create it and I just wanted to go back to their house because theirs was better than mine. I didn't have all the ingredients. See, removing and replacing ingredients is what God desires in each of us. There are things in our life that, that before Christ, B.C., before Christ, that we put in our lives that, that we try to, to blend it all together and make this dynamic life. And yet those ingredients will never produce the quality that you're desiring. I heard it said that if you, if you have to, to walk away from God to get something, you'll never be able to keep God in your life until you let it go. And, and there are things that when you, when you come to Christ, when you come to Him and you say, Lord, I, I, I ask you to forgive me, and, and He forgives you, and, and He fills you with His Spirit, and, and then you begin this amazing thing of walking with God. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. It means we're forgiven. That's justification, being justified in the eyes of God, being justified in the eyes of the law. But this amazing journey between the, from the time we receive Christ to the time the Lord comes back, it is called sanctification or the setting apart for his service, for his will. In other words, for removing the bad ingredients and replacing it with good ingredients that we will be an aroma that is pleasing to God. Paul addresses, the, or Peter rather, addresses this issue of the right ingredients that we need to add to our life. Now you have to look at Peter's writing style. He's completely different than Paul. Paul was more analytical Paul would explain his his uh, his position and then make it uh, applicable to your life Peter is just very direct he says do this and then he'll tell you why very blunt he he's very much of a preacher so here's uh, Peter and he's addressing this and he's dealing with relationships this is 
in Asia Minor, 62, 63 A.D. Uh, he's dealing with relationships in regard to the people in the church and about persecution, both inside the church and outside the church. And, and, and this is what he says in 1 Peter 3. We're going to read the whole thing, and then I'm going to come back to, ch- to verse 8. He says, Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do. In other words, that's the recipe that God has designed. And he will grant you his blessing. For the scripture says, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, but his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. And over the next three weeks, maybe if I get happy, four weeks. Uh, I want to I go back to verse 8. I said that Peter is a, is a, a pastor, he's a preacher, because you can tell that by the first word in verse 8. He says, finally, and he has another two and a half chapters to go. It's like pastors saying in closing, and you think, oh, man, i got another 20 minutes. So Peter, Peter is there, and he has two and a half chapters remaining, but he says, finally, he say, what he is saying is, in conclusion, in closing, in summary, he has just talked about a variety of different relationships and people groups in the world he talked about male and female children he talked about rich and poor young and old slave and owner employer and employee he talked about government he talked about powerful and pauper he talked about every aspect of of life as they knew it and every aspect of life as we know it and his focus was on relationships with one another. And look, look what he says. Finally, all. He's speaking to every Christian. He's speaking to every single one of us. Whether you've been a Christian for eight seconds or 80 years, it doesn't matter. He's speaking to all of us. Every single one of us. There's no exclusions there's no, there's no asterisk and says, look down at the bottom of the page. This excludes you. It, does, it says every single one of us. Finally, in conclusion, as we're looking at our relationship with one another, and, and, and it doesn't matter what, what group that you find yourself in in the world. It doesn't matter if you're a business owner or if you're a, or, or if you're a slave. It doesn't matter if... if if you're male or female, it doesn't matter if you're a child or if you're a parent. It doesn't matter where you find yourself in and the mindset that you have. He says every one of you should be of one mind. 
Now, I look around today, and to be honest, I have never met two people that thought exactly the same. Have you ever met two people that think exactly the same? I don't know of anybody that thinks exactly the same one way. Everyone has their own way of thinking. And yet, it's the art of teaching. A, a master teacher will find the way that a particular student loves to learn, and he'll teach that whatever it is, whether it's math, science, history, whatever it is, he'll teach from that perspective to have that student be able to understand. He teaches from the perspective of how that student thinks. Jesus used scenarios in his parables that connected with the people in his day, in his time. They were familiar with, with sowing and reaping. They were familiar with fishing. They were familiar with all of the parables that Jesus taught. So he taught them from their own understanding. Jesus used them because he knew that people thought differently. And yet here's Peter telling us all to think the same. Peter's letting us know we need the same ingredients to have the same great recipe if we want to look and act and be like Christ. It does not mean, and this is not what Peter is saying, that you and I have to agree on everything. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying that we should... Uh, be automatons that just walk through life with the same thought every single day. I love the little, little cartoons that you see occasionally and, and there's a, a husband and wife and the wife's sitting over there looking at her husband and, and she's saying, and I wonder what he's thinking. Is he thinking about other people? Is he thinking, what's he thinking about? And then you see the guy over there, he's thinking, I think I could take a bear. Guys are real simple. Ladies, when you, when you try to overthink and say, I wonder what they're thinking, if a guy says, what are you thinking, and he says nothing, take him at his word. We're really good at just not thinking about anything. Here's Peter to tell us to think in the same way. He's letting us know that we need to have this ingredient of like-mindedness. It's the same root word that you find in Acts 2.1, where when the day of Pentecost came, they were in one mind and one accord. They were thinking the same thing. The church started by this eclectic group of 120 and, and they were so diverse, it was unbelievable. And yet, on this one point, on this one aspect, they were like-minded. They were unified. They were focused. And what were they focused on? What Christ had told them, stay in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. 
They brought their personal ideas into harmony with, with the one thing that they needed to be focused on. They were waiting for the Holy Spirit. See, great things happen when people become like-minded with a common cause. Doesn't mean that everybody has to be the same. And here's the beauty of what I'm trying to convey to you. It is the diversity of, of thought that blesses the unity of purpose. World War II. We were drug into the war. The, America was drug into the war. And people, men and women, from all walks of life, all corners of this nation, rich and poor, young and old, gathered together and rallied around a common cause. 1969, landing on the moon was men and women with different opinions and different ideas focused on one thing. When people come together, when they're unified, nothing can stop them. This early church that was started in Acts chapter 2 mushroomed on the first day over 3,000 and the church just grew exponentially because they were focused on one thing Christ crucified that was it it was simple it was, it was easy to understand and every different personality was able to explain it in the way that they got it and the church took off and Peter's call in, in 1 Peter 8 here, 3, 8 is, is relational. It, he's giving us the ingredients for a right relationship with God and one another. See, and here, here's the important thing. What we believe and think about one another is critical to having a great life recipe. If you think less of somebody else, your recipe is going to be flawed. If you think you're greater than somebody else, your recipe is going to be flawed. What we believe and think about one another, if there's, if there's jealousy or hatred, if there's anything else but, but love and understanding, your recipe is going to be flawed. See, our opinions of others will determine our actions and attitudes. If, if, you, if you think, uh, I, I know there was a, I was listening to a pastor once and they had this big outreach in their church and, and they helped um, people that had been in prison and drug addicts and, and alcoholics and different things like that. And he said he was in a board meeting and walked out into the uh, hallway and he saw, he saw this giant of a man. 6'4", 250 pounds, with a big beard and a big uh, beanie cap on. He said, he could beat a bear. He was a bear. 
And he said, I don't know who let him in. And he said, to be honest, I had a little fear in my heart. And the man walked up to him and he said, do you know where the knitting group is meeting? And he said, uh, yes. And he said, well, I heard they're knitting caps for newborn babies and I want to join. Our opinions of others will determine our actions and attitudes. You have to see people for who they are. By the way, if I saw a guy like that, I would probably be a little nervous too. What we believe and think about ourselves, not just about others, will determine our relationship to one another. You've heard it said that hurting people say hurtful things. Uh, one of my favorite lines is in, in movies is the original 12 Angry Men where the elderly gentleman is standing and trying to, to help this man that's a racist try to understand and comprehend his fallacy and his false way of thinking and the man is just over there oblivious to what the guy's saying and Henry Fonda reaches over and touches this gentleman's hand and says he can't hear you he never will what was he saying he was saying that that what that gentleman believed was keeping him from understanding truth how we think about others, how we think about ourselves, how we view others, all have an impact. And, and Peter says, if you really want to have an, an amazing recipe of life, if you want your life to be grounded in God's Word, if you want your life to be a sweet-smelling savor, I mean, uh, when, have you ever walked into your house and, and you, when you open the door, the smells of the, of the kitchen just waft your way? One of my greatest times in, is when you wake up in the morning and you smell two amazing things. Coffee and bacon. <sighs> Not everybody likes coffee, but everybody loves bacon. And they smell great. And Peter is saying, if you, want your, if you want this amazing recipe in your life, here's some things that you, that you can apply. He says, finally, all of you should be of one mind. He said, sympathize with one another. Sympathy means understanding. It's harmony. It's compassion. It's looking at a person and, and not judging them, but, but looking at them and un, trying to understand from where they're coming from. It's, it's walking a mile in somebody else's shoes. It's seeing another person's needs and not saying, oh, be warmed and filled, but, but being able to care enough to react. Can I tell you that your theology, theology doesn't have to align with somebody else to be sympathetic? Well, after all, it was Jesus that talked about the Good Samaritan. And he used that 
because he knew that his people, the Jewish people, could not stand the Samaritans, and yet he made the Samaritan the hero of the day over the religious and over the, the, the spiritual. He made him the hero, not because he was right, not because he had perfection, but because he cared. Peter is saying, it doesn't matter how you think, it doesn't matter what your, your, your station in life is. If you want to have a quality life that is pleasing to God, number one, be full of sympathy. Care for those around you. The second thing he says is, love each other. Yuck. How are you supposed to love one another? Love each other, not just love each other, but love each other as what? Brothers. Brotherly love. A, a bond of, of, of blood. A family tie. The Bible gives us the example of David and Jonathan. Jonathan was King Saul's son. He was the next in line to the, for the throne. And yet his relationship with David was so strong, was so intimate, that they loved as brothers. In fact, the Bible tells us that their souls, their eternal being, were knit together. They were inseparable. And it was Jonathan that found out that his dad wanted to take David's life and set him up as king. And Jonathan loved so deeply that he was willing to give up the throne of Israel for his friend. What does that say to us? What are we willing to do to sacrifice, to give up? Out of love. He said not only love as brothers and sisters, but be tender-hearted. Tender-hearted. The word that, that Peter uses here simply means having strong bowels. That simply means intense feelings. Love not only as brothers and sisters, but love with a tender heart. Be so emotionally attached to the needs of others that you feel when they feel, when they hurt, you hurt. When they're rejoicing, you rejoice. When they are walking through difficult times, you're walking through difficult times with them. When they're crying, you're crying. And when they're rejoicing, you're rejoicing with them. He said, don't just love on the surface, surface, but let it go deep. In the very center of your emotional response, love deeply, love purely, love without any ulterior motive. See, Jesus weeping over Jerusalem, he came to, 
to set them free. And, yet, and here's Jesus. And, and, and he said, how many times I wanted to gather you together, but you wouldn't. And he, he was moved. He was moved to tears. My friends, it, it's not just being full of sympathy or, or loving one another or, or loving with a tender heart. He goes on to say, in love with a humble attitude. Simply means love and look and have a relationship with those around you with a modest opinion of yourself. You ever talk to somebody that never listens to anything you're saying because you never get to say anything because they're continually talking? And you're sitting there thinking, I want to interject something, but I'm going to have to wait until they catch their breath. From the smiles, I realize that many of you know that person. All of us know somebody like that. Somebody that is so abundantly in love with themselves that they never have time to just sit back and listen to what other people are saying and doing. Having a modest opinion of yourself. Jesus, once when his disciples came into the upper room, you understand that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Jesus said he could call the legion of angels and they would have taken him off the cross. A legion of angels could have destroyed the entire world. What Jesus was saying is, I don't have to do what I'm doing. His disciples have seen him heal blind eyes. They have seen him walk on water. They have seen him raise the dead. They have seen him take people that have never walked and pull them up and they begin to walk. He, Christ, has done all of these amazing things. You would think, you would think that at that moment that, that his disciples, his followers, would, would be doing anything and everything they could to please Christ. And yet, when they walk into this, this upper room, Jesus has them sit down and Jesus stoops down and begins to wash the dust and the dirt off of their feet. Because Jesus knew it wasn't about his will He was helping his disciples to get it, to understand that it's not about us and it's never been about us. It's always been about him. I'm going to ask our praise team to come back. And as they come, we're, we're going to approach uh, communion
But here's what I'd like to do with communion. I would like to be able to you to come and receive the elements and then we will partake together in just a moment. Paul, would you mind helping me over on this side? And Wayne, would you mind helping me over here? I want to ask you a question as we get ready to, to come in and, and, and receive the elements, and we're going to have time to reflect, and then we'll pray, uh, sing a song. I want to ask you a question. In this relationship that Peter talked about, do you have all the ingredients in your life's recipe? Maybe there's some things you've added to it that you just need to take out. I know that one of the things that you can do when you, when you cook or like to cook or think you like to cook is when you get stuck, you can go to the Internet. It's God's gift to those that know nothing. Because you can learn and there's, it's amazing. I don't care why, if you want to learn how to cook pheasant under glass. There's a, there is a video for that. If you want to know how to make three-step fudge, there's a video for that. In fact, I, there is even a video for chocolate-covered bacon. If you want to learn to do something, you can follow uh, the, 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 the video. It's, it's a blueprint. It's a, it, it's a how-to on that, on that recipe that you're wanting to create. And John reminds us that, that we have that, that recipe. We have that example. We have that how-to right in front of us. 1 John 3.16 says this. We know what real love is because Christ gave up his life for us. If you want to know what real love is, look at Christ. Look at what he did. He goes on to say, and so we also ought to give up our lives for our Christian brothers and sisters. It's not just enough to say, oh, all right, Jesus, your life was an amazing recipe. But John said, why don't you make your life an amazing recipe? Why don't you make your life one of humility and understanding and love? starts it starts by allowing in your life the right ingredients and removing the wrong ingredients so as we approach communion today I want us to consider our own lives you know yourself better than, than anybody else apart from God 
David said it this way. He said, search me, O God, and know my ways. What he was saying is, God, I think I know myself, but you really know me. You know my motivation. You know everything about me. And I'm asking you today, God, to search me. Let me put it in, in terms of what we have just been talking about. Lord, make my life with the right ingredients. Make my life pleasing to you. We can do it if we follow the right recipe. The Lord's table is open. Remember, we're going to gather and then we will partake together.